What's up? My name is Alex Terranova. I am the host of the Dream Mason podcast. Welcome. We started this in 2017 because we wanted to highlight the journey of Dream Masons. There's a Dream Mason in all of us. A Dream Mason is someone who is awake to their dreams and driven by the passion, the purpose, and the desire to turn that dream into reality. We interview athletes, gold medalists, Super Bowl champions, artists, creatives, eight, nine-figure entrepreneurs, spiritual leaders, and everyone in between. And sometimes we even walk them through challenges that they're currently facing. So depending on whether you're catching this as a regular interview or a playing with problems segment, there is something for you, whether you're at the peak of your journey, at the low point of your journey. I look forward to having you join me on this journey. And I hope that this show helps you unleash your inner Dream Mason. Up, what's up? Welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I am your host, Alex Terranova. I am really excited and I'm actually really calm too about this, but uh, I'm really excited to expand on and share with you today about a plant medicine journey I just went on. Um, So I recently went on a psilocybin plant medicine journey that also had um, a little bit of MDMA and a little bit of ketamine introduced to it. Um, But the main uh, plant medicine was psilocybin, uh, magic mushrooms. And when I say this is a plant medicine journey, what I mean by that is this wasn't, you know, me out on the streets or at the beach or at a party, um, just doing these substances. This wasn't me just like in my house doing these substances. This was a, uh, a sacred space that was created with, um, a guide who, um, cultivated the space who we crafted, um, our intentions, the purpose, what we're th- the purpose of why we're there, what we wanted to get out of it, um, maybe why we wanted to go inward. Uh, it was for most of it, uh, eyes closed or masked. Um, and throughout the entire experience, there was either breath work, music playing, or live indigenous style um, music. And for people that have never done this, um, I think that's one of the biggest components about this because the music actually helps navigate the journey. There's music that's like very uplifting and very peaceful. And often that's how uh, it interacts, the, the music and the, and the medicine in your body interacts. And sometimes the, the music is more, let's say like rattlesnake or ribbity, like swampy kind of sounds, jungle sounds. And often that like gets like really like visceral in your gut and, and can bring up a lot of trauma, emotions, And I don't want to speak for everyone who does these, but often the reason why we do these, the reason why I do it too, is um, because I believe we can only get so so far doing like talk therapy or coaching um, in trying to like use our mind and, and analyze and process our trauma, our feelings, what we want, our hurt, the the energy trapped inside of us. Um, you know, we're, we're such complex beings that have been alive for so long. And so many of the things that happened to us when we were young impact us today. And so many of the things that are happening in the world impact us. And, and we've impacted the world and other people. And I believe it's really, really difficult for people to actually unpack and understand the impact that that has on, that has on their physical body, 
their mental, their, 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 um, their mental health, their intelligence, but also their spirituality. And I think one of the biggest blessings on this planet is plant medicines because I think what plant medicines do, and, 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 I, and I, I relate to them as plant medicines, not as drugs, because for, first of all, they've been, be, they've been used for hundreds and hundreds of years, like magic mushrooms, ayahuasca, many, many of these plants, not necessarily ketamine or MDMA, but have been used for hundreds and hundreds of years by many different cultures in ritual and healing modalities um, to connect with each other, to connect with the earth. And there's plenty of science that even shows how ketamine and MDMA is being used currently in, in the um, psychological space for emotional healing, PTSD healing, trauma healing. Um, and a lot of it is because the way I see it is like these, these, these substances go into us and they be, enable us to do things that we aren't necessarily able to do on our own. So often a lot of us are, are shut down or closed in our heart space when we, we, we are, we're guarded, we're defensive with other people. And, um, like for instance, these medicines can open that up where you're with people and you're able to connect more with love. You're less guarded, you're less defensive, you're more vulnerable, you're more open, you're more tender, you're more loving. And what comes out from that? What, what is able to be produced and developed from that? Another uh, area is um, we're able to get into our subconscious mind, right? There's a conscious mind and the subconscious mind and the subconscious is subconscious like beneath the surface. We can't actually access it in this like normal state that we're in. But when we get into these, these medicines get into us, it's almost like the way I describe it is it's like the veil comes loose or, or the, the screen gets pulled back. And all of a sudden you are able to have a full relationship with your subconscious mind and it's pretty incredible, but these medicines, when I believe when they are done with intention and purpose and reverence and care, it's almost like they go into your body and they look for the areas that have been shut down, repressed, unhealed, need to expand and need to be seen, need to express. It's not all negative. It could be passions that need to be found, purpose that needs to be understood, clarity that needs to be garnered. But it's it's almost I just it's like they're like a heat sinking seeking missile and they're dropped inside of us and they just seek out those things. And as I tell friends uh, and family about why I keep going down this path, and it's funny, you know, I was never someone who really was like into drugs. I, I smoked marijuana when I was young and I drank alcohol, but that was basically it. And then into my late thirties, I started to explore things and 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 really in my late late thirties, early forties. I found myself in scenarios with shamans and plant medicine teachers and maestros and and people that that have training in history that goes back, you know, hundreds of years on these things and I found myself being able to explore these things and after a decade of coaching, therapy, personal development, what I've seen is a really powerful 5, 6, 7 hour plant medicine experience. I can get as much, as many breakthroughs, healing, awareness, insight, more connection to myself than in all the 10 years of coaching therapy, personal development. It's like, because it's happening in here, in your, in your mind and in your body, it's happening on a quantum level. Your synapses are firing. You're able to move through yourself and through time 
in a way that you could never do when you're sitting across from someone having a conversation. So I want to tell you about the experience that I had, right? We've been, I've just been talking about uh, what these experiences are like, but I want to actually tell you about my experience, this last one. So um, a friend of mine was hosting this experience and uh, she has been training with her guides, her teachers who have much more lineage than her, but she's learning from them. And, um, you know, some people might've thought they wouldn't want to do that because she doesn't have, you know, 50 years of experience and she's not from Peru, but there was some hit that I got that was very much like, this is her calling. This is her purpose. I could feel it when I talked to her about this work. I could feel her passion. I could feel her purpose. I could feel the reverence she has towards it. And um, I felt really, really called to sit in ceremony with her. And um, so I did this weekend. And this was the first time I had done a MDMA and uh, mushroom. We'll talk about the ketamine later. MDMA and mushroom experience. Um intentionally like this. I had done mushrooms on their own. I had done ketamine or I had done MDMA on its own. And I had done those in somewhat ceremonial like experiences, but never one this intentional, um, this much reverence, this much uh, uh, kind of nod to indigenous practices and cultures. And so I, I, I went to the space where we were having this um, the day started off with just understanding kind of the space, the rules, how it was going to go, uh, which was done really well. Um, the room was like just beautiful and clean and comfortable and safe feeling. There were other people there to support and help. And like, we think of it as like holding you. Um, so if you're having an emotional experience, they're there to help you, hold you, guide you, comfort you. Um, they can also be there to do things like um, get you water help you stand up and go to the bathroom. Uh, at one point I was rubbing, I was massaging my own feet. And one of them was like, would you like me to do that for you? Uh, so these people are really there in service and to help and support you in your journey. Um, and the, so then we, um, we talked about our intentions while we were here, what we wanted to get out of it, what we thought our breakthroughs were. Um, we did kind of some drop in meditation together. Um, and then we looked at all the things we were going to take and everybody talked about it. We really got clear on what we're taking, how much we're taking. And then we started that process of taking the medicines. And then we went through a meditation, probably, I don't know, a long time becomes not really, you can't, that, that five hours feels like we're in the journey for like a year, um, five, six hours. Um, but we did a guided meditation, uh, which flowed into, um, kind of like a sound bath, which float. If you don't know what a sound bath is, think like a crystal. If you're watching this crystal bowl behind me or like a gong, but sounds that carry vibrations that actually you feel. It's not just sounds that you hear, but you really feel them ripple through your body. And, um, the sound baths are really powerful. And then we did, uh, like holotropic or, um, Wim Hof style breath work. And, Man, that was the first moment. So the meditation was great. I was I was still pretty present. And then um, the sound bath was great. And when we got into the breath work, so if you're not familiar with Wim, Wim Hof style breathing or holotropic breathing, it's like you're like breathing really deep into your belly. 
up into your lungs, into your head and your neck, and then you're letting it all go. And then you're doing it like, like pretty rapidly. Um, so you're like overly like oxygenated and, um, you, uh, it's, it's, first of all, it's, it's very, it's so different than how we normally breathe, which is shallow, but it, it like lights everything up. So I'm lying there and, and I can do this without any medicine. I do this a few days a week and it's like, you start to feel your limbs tingling, your body tingling, tingling, your core feels like it's like almost like uh, nuclear, like it's lighting up and it, you feel rightly like how powerful and big you are. And, um, normally after I do breath work like this, I'm able to cold plunge. I'm able to sit in meditation and I'm just very able to drop in and be very focused and grounded and not distracted by my normal ADD mind. And while we were doing this breath work, there were moments where I just stopped and just like, almost like sat with almost like my, my holding my breath because my body was vibrating with such intensity that it felt like I was orgasming. And I don't mean orgasming like anything was coming out of me, but like that feeling that you have when you orgasm, that think of the most intense orgasm you have where it's just like your whole body is being like, like radiated and just like, like jostled from breathing and from the medicine. My whole body was having that sensation. And I just like was lying there like, oh my God, feeling it. I remember the, 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 our guide, she came over and she was like, stick with it, stick with the breathing. And I like went back into the breathing and then it happened again. But one of the things I'm present to do is like to feel your own body like that is such a gift to feel the energy and the power that courses through us is such a gift. So we have such a disconnection from our body. We have such a disconnection from the power within us, from who we are, that breath work itself is powerful, but combining the breath work with these medicines was just just moving and life changing um and uh so so as we so uh, basically this this experience you know went on and, and when this breathwork ended we're on our mats and the whole rest of the experience there was there's live music being played whether it be uh drumming or rattles or flutes or singing bowls or gongs this is going on the whole time sometimes there's words sometimes there's not so some of the things I got from a journey like this was um, this whole thing opened up really powerfully for, powerfully for me. Um, as soon as the breath work and everything was over and we were just kind of in the journey now, all of a sudden I, right, in my mind, saw myself and my family in like an indigenous hut, like hundreds and hundreds of years ago. I saw Evan and me and our baby, which we don't have, but like her holding our baby and we were like ancient indigenous people and we were in this hut and she was holding our baby and my arms were like wrapped around her. And we were just sitting there in love, like loving each other and our family and our space. And in the in that space, I remember hearing like the words, often when I do plant medicine, it's like, it's talking to me. It's like, there's another voice. And it was like, this is all you want and this is all you need. And I so clearly could sense the like all the things, the, the the bigger house, the nicer car, the more money, like all of that is to get to the thing that they were showing me. It's like we think to get to the love we want, we like need more money. We think we had to get to the happiness we want. We need more money or more travel or bigger houses or bigger cars. When most of us, it's like we we just want to be 
loved. We just want to be in connection. We just want to feel seen and heard and appreciated and felt. And we just want to be able to spend time happy with the people we love. But we're spending so much of our time doing things, trying to create that, that we're missing that thing that's right in front of us. And I was so present to that. And um, it then jumped me from that space to me as a kid. I saw myself as a kid and I saw like, that's all I really wanted then. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be appreciated. I wanted to feel safe. But the world was like, you're not enough. You're not a good enough play baseball player. You're not in good enough shape. You don't get good enough grades. Like you're you're not skinny enough or strong enough. You're not um, capable enough. You're not a good enough son. You're not whatever whatever it was for for you or for us. And inside of all that not enough that we live in, and think about even if you weren't told it, you're seeing it on TV and media and music your whole life. You're being told you should look like this. You should be able to earn like this. You should be able to get this. You should be able to do this. And it's all this idea of we're not actually enough in who we are. And so we have to go and jump on this hamster wheel and get all these things and do all these things because one day we'll be enough and then we'll get to feel the way we want to feel. (laughs) And um, it showed me that and I started to sob and I was bawling on my mat in like the fetal position, thinking about how many years I spent feeling like I wasn't enough, like all the way up until that, this day to this, this retreat. And while I'd done a lot of work and I'd felt less and less like that over the years through coaching, through therapy, through being an entrepreneur, through uh, working on myself, but there was still like this part that still always felt like I need more. I need to get this house. I need to make more money. I need to do these things. And and then it'll all be possible um, to feel good enough and succeed and fulfilled. And I just started weeping at how much time of my 41 years was spent trying to fill this hole of not enoughness. And then I even remember crying because for my parents and my brother and and then it expanded to like the world that we all are in this game of not enoughness. And as I sobbed and I sobbed, um, the woman leading came over and held, like she came over and I didn't know she just sat and held me. And that was really profound and powerful because as somebody else shared during that experience after when we were sharing that when somebody holds you, when you're crying, it's like, you're fully able to like, let go and fu- you don't have to hold yourself. You're fully able to just, and let it all go. And um, yeah, and I, I I just like, it felt like so healing. And at the end, when that cry stopped, there was like, it was like two puzzle pieces clicked in. And there was this knowing that like, I am enough exactly as I am and as exactly as I've, how I've always been. And, and that actually applies to everyone. But, and that, then the place it jumped me to was it like kind of showed me the movie, The Matrix. And you know, in the movie, The Matrix, all the pods are like plugged in and they're all seeing like this fake life that they're living, right? And, but they're, they're in these pods. And while I was like, but the medicine was like clearly showing me it's not this. The life you're living is real. You're not in a pod somewhere. But what it showed me was the matrix is the idea of not enoughness, the systems that we fall prey to. So for instance, it's like, your eyes have been hijacked 
And and in and then this is what it told me. And like in the medicine, I'm like my eyes have been hijacked. Was that my eyes were lying to me? I was like, no, no, your eyes are not lying to you. They've been hijacked by the system. So the system, it, like the economic system, and it's not a one economic system is good and one is bad. It's like all the systems, any system. We build systems to support us, help us grow and expand. But ultimately, the systems themselves take on almost like a life of their own and we become imprisoned by the systems. So uh, a great way to think about this is, hey, there was a time where people were growing their own food on their on their plots of land or fishing in their own little thing. And they were they were getting enough. They were having enough. And then someone had the idea that like, whoa, if if I could fish more and then I could trade my fish for something else, then I could have more of something else. Like, oh, we need more of that. Or we could have a bigger plot of land or a bigger, a bigger hut or a bigger a bigger, you know, more horses or more cattle, whatever. And somebody got this idea that like if they had more, it would be better. And so um, we started building systems. How do we come together to make more food? How do we come together to get more water? How do we come together to produce, um, right? And all of a sudden that became like factories and bigger and bigger systems. And ultimately the things that the people at the beginning wanted was like more time, more fulfillment, more quality of life with the things and the people that they love. And they thought that if they did more of this thing, they would get more of that. But as that that system grew, what did we all get? We're here now. We have less time with the people that we love most. We have more stress. We're more unhealthy. We're more stressed out. Most of us wish for time freedom. That's like what we're all asking for. We want time freedom. We want love. We want, we want to spend time with the people we love in ways that matter. And we don't want to be stressed out by our jobs and, and those things. And it's funny that we created this thing that we became slaves to, which prevent us from having the thing that we actually want. And it like showed me all the systems. It like showed me how, you know, the system of the fear of dying. We're afraid of death. So we started to create things to help us either live longer or mask death. So especially in Westernized culture, older looking people make us think of death, even if it's subconsciously. Wrinkles make us think of death, like people in walkers or wheelchairs or, or, um, or canes, like it makes us, it shows our vulnerability and it shows that we're breaking down. So what do people in the West do? I mean, all over the world, but really it's like we, we, we filler and creams and plastic surgery and we like wipe away wrinkles and we, we have to like stay in shape and we get all this surgery and we do all these things all to try to appear as young as we can for as long as we can. And we created that system out of, again, out of fear because that we'd feel better, but look at the system now. And if you look at the world now, it's like our wrinkles, our, 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 um, our graying hair, our scars, those are stories. Those are, those tell the story of a person and of a life lived. They, they show, um, who we are and where we've been and what we've been through. And we are like wiping them or washing them away for this like appearance of youth, this illusion of youth. And, and it, so as it's showing me all these systems and that we're, and now look how um, like imprisoned we are, right? If you don't want to get plastic surgery or you don't want to have a lot of money to spend on creams for your face or you're overweight or whatever, in our world, you're like made to feel bad about that or wronged or that you should do something about it. That it's actually like 
we don't like it as a society to see like weathering or aging or those things on people or or something that we would say is like unhealthy. So we've created this like it's like everyone is is like living this lie like these like plastic plastic like like faces that are stuck and are still and bodies that are 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 augmented and done so to to be inside of this illusion and it's really hard to step out of it and we become prisoners to it so i want to be really clear i'm not saying that any of those things are bad i i'm not saying opinion this is what the experience of the medicine showed me um but it was like it wasn't like the systems are bad. It was like that we become prisoners of the system. So if you're listening to this and you're like, wait, I get Botox or um, I buy face creams or I work out, you get to do you and and I still have to do me. But it's like, am I am I doing it consciously from a choice or am I doing it because I've I'm like bought into this system and I'm afraid to actually just be authentically me however I want to be that? Or am I doing what I think I need to do because of the world that I need to live in? And how unfree that makes us. We're not able to be the people we are, show up as the people we are, learn, want to be, look the way we want to look, be friends with the people we want to be friends with, do the things we want to do for, for a living um, because of these systems. And how that cycle is just like cyclical. And um, I really got present to my journey in my life has been about one of breaking out of systems. Not all of them. I'm a human just like you, but like little by little, like, no, I'm not going to do school the way that I was told. No, I'm not going to do work the way I was told. No, I'm not even going to do restaurants or coaching the way I was told. I'm not going to do anything the way I was told. Like, I want to figure it out. Like, what's true for me? What's authentic for me? That we've grown up in a time where it's like, this is the right way to do things. You do this and then you do this and then you do this. And it's like, fuck that. Like, like that doesn't produce a life of fulfillment and happiness that produces robotics and like copying and just like following the, 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 the system. And it's, it's so inauthentic. Um, and so I think like, like really looking at, who you are, who you want to be, how you want to live, how you want to show up and following your own path, your own way um, is really like one of the big lessons from this experience. Um, another lesson that I got was I was lying on my mat and I was like deep, deep in, I'm seeing like sacred geometry everywhere and I'm deep, deep in and I have my hands like, I don't know, my body and I, and my attention is brought to my feet and my legs and just my body as a whole, but really those parts. And it was like, man, your body does so much for you. Your feet walk you around all day. They run, they take you to the gym, they, your legs cycle, you lift weights, you're, you're up and down, you know, right? You're doing all these things all the time. And how often do you stop and show gratitude or appreciation for your body? How often do you stop and like look at your toes or your feet or your calves or your legs or your quads or your butt or your thighs or your chest or your arms and actually thank it for all that it does for you? I don't. Very rarely. Very rarely do I. And if I think, what do I mostly do? I mostly basically complain about it. I'm mostly, I'm like, why does my foot hurt? Why does my knee hurt? Why is this not strong enough? Why doesn't this look better? And... What a shitty relationship to have with our body. And even if you don't have the negative relationship to your body, how often are you actually 
like loving it and showing gratitude and appreciation for it. And I, uh, I was lying there and I had my foot in my hand and like lifted my foot up and I saw the, you know, ma- eye mask on and I was massaging my foot and I was like, thank you. Thank you for, for all that you have done for me for 41 years. Thank you for, for making like so much of my life possible. Um, and thank you for doing it with like so little issue or complaints. Um, and I just had this like reverence and, and gratitude for my body that I'd never had. And I, and I ended up moving around my whole body and doing that kind of gratitude practice with all the different parts of my body. Um, and it like reminded me to like do this more often that not only like it just feels good. It actually feels good and feels true. Um, another thing that um, came up is like a language that we use. And this was really big. I had this, I, this, I saw this version of myself saying, I'm trying to do something. Now, you all know the like old Yoda saying, which is there is no try, there's just do. I always like thought that was kind of dumb. I didn't really get why, just like didn't really get it. And my dad used to say it all the time. And I'd be like, no, but you are trying. Like, right? If I'm if I'm trying to if I if I'm shooting baskets in a hoop, um, I'm trying to make one. Until I've made it, in my mind, I was trying. Well, what I got was like how our language is is so paralyzing and and powerful that when you're saying, I'm trying to make money, I'm trying to make baskets, I'm trying to get in shape that what you're actually saying is that you're trying is like, you're not succeeding. You're not doing, you're simply in the like trying and that you'll always be to be like, I'm trying to do something has you perpetually be in the trying same thing with the wanting. Oh, I, I'm wanting that. I'm wanting that. Has you be in the wanting I'm wanting that thing. Has you be in the wanting of that thing? <laughs> um, that when you suddenly change to I'm shooting baskets or I'm making baskets or I'm um, I'm generating an abundance of money, I'm cultivating money, I'm um, I'm allowing money to flow through to me, I'm building a business, I'm creating something. That I think that our fear and our subconscious mind, this is what I was getting, says the trying to protect us from the failure, but that the failure is part of the doing of it. I'm building, I'm not, that's like the difference between I'm trying to build a business versus I'm building a business. I'm trying to build a business is you're not building a business. I'm building a business includes the failures that come in because part of building something is the mistakes that go along with it. And how many times we're using language to kind of like cut the legs out from under us. And it, it was this very clear, like, stop trying to do anything and just do things. And when you fail, you're still in the doing of it. That's part of the doing. If, if, if I said to you, hey, I have this goal to make a million dollars, it wouldn't be like, I'm trying to make a million dollars. I am making, I'm generating, I'm, I'm working towards it. I'm, I'm moving towards it. I'm getting closer to it every day because I am. That there might be ups and downs, ebbs and flows, but that I'm actually in the process of it. That is the that is the doing of it. That is the creation of it. And this showed up too with um, Evan and I were talking about like we people say we're trying to have a baby. No, we're like you're like actually making it. You're not trying to. You're doing the things that it takes to have a baby. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. What we're trying to is actually a language of of actually not doing it. 
And we could say this with um, making money is another one that came up. Unless you work at the Federal Reserve, you're not making money. <laughs> Unless you are printing money, you are not making money. You are generating value and being paid money. You are generating things and being transferred money. You are creating things and having money flow to you. But in no world are you making money. And to to think about that, it's just like such a disconnect. It's like a way that we speak that's not actually true. And it's also a lot more pressure. I have to make this thing. No, you don't. All the money already exists. It's already out there in the world. It's actually about getting yourself on the frequency or on the same page as it so you can have it, so it can come to you, so it can move through you, so you can send it back out. Um, whew, there, were, um, there were so many experiences where I would take my eye mask off and look at Evan and just felt such un... Um, unconditional love like could see her and seeing her there and it's like in my mind there was that part of you that could see like the challenges the flaws the faults like we that we all have and there was this in in the healing and in the heart opening the medicine just had me be like none of it matters like how much i love this person and how much this person loves me and how much i want them to win in life and how it's like our fear that has us think about all these things that are like judgments or assessments of anyone. It doesn't have to be the people we love. And it, it expanded from her to like the world thinking about, you know, you can't say I love people or you can't say I'm like committed to love or loving people or I want a better world if you don't love everyone. That that we have to open our hearts and, and give full compassion and love to everyone, even the people that are doing the things that we don't agree with. And I think that's really challenging in our normal form and in our normal mindset. And the medicine reminds me that if I'm not able to love people who I disagree with, even on the like harshest, worst things, then I'm like just, you know, I'm, I'm in just as much ego as they are for the things that they're doing. That my job isn't to change anyone or judge anyone or make anyone different. My job is to love. My job is to support. My job is to help people when they want help, when they ask for it. My job is not to make other people different or force other people to be different. Um, and that the way that people are different is through being loved and connected with and seen and heard and appreciated, not through being made wrong or being made bad um we even uh, i even had a um a moment where i was thinking about the world we live in and how when people do things that are wrong or bad in our society we punish them right you like run a red light and you get a punishment you steal something you get a punishment and if you do something really bad we like lock you in a cage and i get from the perspective of like hey we need to keep people safe so if people are dangerous we need to keep other people safe. But I was thinking about like, what society have we created where when we mess up, we get punished? Like if that's the way that we think we're going to get better, no one gets 
nobody's getting better through punishments. No one's like, no one who's ever got a speeding ticket is like, I'm never speeding again or never speeds again. They might, they might try and take, they might try to get caught less. They might be more, uh, they might choose when they're going to speed more actively, but like, we all know speeding tickets and running stop signs and all these things. Now we don't necessarily just like go buck wild because if we speed or we run through lights or stop signs, we could hurt ourselves or other people. But the punishment in itself doesn't have me not speed or do it. It's like the, I don't want to hurt someone else or I don't want to hurt myself. And I think about like, like how little compassion and, and, and love we have for each other, that this is the way we support each other to do better is through punishing each other. And how, if we all think about our lives as kids, when I got punished as a kid, it usually just had me be like, fuck you to my parents. It usually had me just be like, I'm just going to do a better job of not getting caught. And when I messed up and I got like love and I got seen and I got understood and I got attention and I got um, a conversation and I realized the hurt or the damage I did, I was more likely to do different. I even think that now as an adult, when I mess up, if I'm punished, I'm like, fuck you. And if I mess up and somebody's like, hey, you really hurt my feelings or this is what happened. I'm like, oh man, that sucks. I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to hurt somebody else. I want to do, I want to do better. Um, and so I'm not saying that like the medicine was like, we shouldn't have prisons or whatever. It was just like, look at how we are with each other and how hostile and can, can, it was right. It was looking at me. It was like, can you just be more loving? Can you be more accepting? Can you bring less judgment? Um, man, I could like go on and on. Um, cause like I said, I was having my mind blown right and left for like six hours. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, one of the other big things I was left with was like slowing down, find your speed, find your frequency and go at that pace. Live your life the way you want to live it, not the way society's telling you to live it. Trust yourself. Um, it doesn't mean be lazy or do nothing. It means follow your own intuitive guidance. Follow your heart. Have trust and faith. Go after what you want. And if you feel like really called to something, if you feel like really drawn to something, there's probably something there for you in that to go to that thing and find out what it is. It doesn't mean it has to be something that you do or practice or play with forever. It might be, there might just be some magic or some knowledge or some wisdom there for you. Um, I am at this point uh, really, really, really sold and blown away and just mystified by the wisdom of plant medicine and, um, and how life-changing these things can be. Um, so if you are curious about these things, um, if you're interested, um, I do not host them. I do not lead them. That is not my jam. Um, that's not my calling. Uh, but I've had a lot of experience over the last few years and I am really passionate and really care about how much healing and help they can do. So if it's something that you are interested in, um, I'd be happy to have a conversation with you about it, give you some guidance, give you some thoughts. And, um, yeah, I just really... I just really advocate if somebody feels like there's something there for them with plant medicine, go follow that. Go find out what's there. Um, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you're interested in anything I just talked about, feel free to reach out to me, alex at thedreammason.com. If you're an executive 
who's married, who's trying to generate a business from in the in the six figures to the seven figures, and you have a family, and you're trying to figure out how to, how to balance it all and juggle it all. Uh, I'd love to have a conversation with you about supporting you around that in my executive and leadership coaching practice. And if you're a man and you're interested in men's groups, men's retreats, men's leadership retreats, uh, I have something for you there to uh, help you connect more deeply with men, to step more into your leadership, to get more present, to get you uh, to more happiness and fulfillment. Um, there's a lot of stuff I can support you with. So if anything resonates, uh, you can always go to www.thedreammason.com. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And I hope uh, this was somewhat valuable for you. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream. And I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.